Welcome to the Awareness in Motion podcast. I'm your host, Angela McMillan. I'd like to begin by acknowledging the traditional owners of the land I stand on today, the Ghana people. I pay my respects to their elders, past and present. Let's have some fun together. I would love to welcome you to our community, the Movement Online Academy. An extraordinary life starts with your own well-being. Hello, Sonia. Welcome to the podcast today, Awareness in Motion. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me on your show. Pretty exciting. So you are an Aussie like myself living in New York. What is the time there at the moment? Uh, It's almost 10 to 8 p.m. So we are, yeah, we're a little behind. We're 12 (laughs) hours behind. Yeah, and it's like 9.21 in the morning for me. So, yeah, thanks for joining me. I'm always surprised at how we can connect with people all over the world. And even though you're in yesterday for me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Tell Tell me what tomorrow brings, would you? I will, I will. Well, today's been a little bit overcast, so maybe that's going to happen there for you. <laughs> so um, today we're going to chat about your journey to where you are today with what you're doing in regards to the Feldenkrais Method and Pilates and Honest Exercise is the name. So would you like to share where, where did it all begin? Where did, where did this movement obsession start with Sonia? Wow. Um, I suppose my first memory of really enjoying movement was when I was, um, well, before primary school, I think I was just out of kindergarten and being a really shy kid, like an only child at the time. And Um, immigrant parent single mother I was really like practically you know invisible just so wouldn't wouldn't make a sound wouldn't speak to my teachers and wouldn't speak speak to adults but I went I was enrolled in a ballet class and uh, I was also really lucky that um, one of my ballet buddies um, her mom was really outgoing and very much like the hub of the neighborhood and um their house was always full of kids so actually as I think about it I thought it was the dance class but I think that my friend Wendy and her mom who's now passed away um Arnie Les as we like to call her they were were a really important part of my life and helping me um, really develop a sense of confidence and a sense of self and movement really helped me because I didn't have to be particularly eloquent I didn't have to use clever words or have a you know Mm. sound intelligence so the dance and just movement exploration that was where it really started fantastic and I think you touched on a great point movement to build that confidence and get out of your shell so what a fabulous beginning and then I know that you went to a university for movement is that right what was that um yeah so I I had always um trained as a, in dance so from that early age I'd always been taking classes and explored everything from classical ballet well everything classical contemporary little Spanish dance and um, when I got closer to graduating high school 
I wasn't really, I suppose my, my academic, my grades weren't as high as I'd want them to be. And I thought I'd try out for the uh, college program in, in my state, which is called Whoppet. It's actually where Hugh Jackman and a few other kind of well-known people uh, studied. And uh, I enrolled in the dance course first and I did enjoy it. But I suppose I didn't have a typical ballet body. And um, my dance teachers were kind of uh, giving me feedback when I would do choreography. You'd have to create your own pieces. It was always spoken word and I would always be very expressive in my face. And they said, um, they would always say, maybe you would consider moving to the theatre department. And I actually did transfer, well, I auditioned for the theatre department. So I graduated out of the uh, performing arts theatre uh, program and basically went into the entertainment industry from there yeah a little a little bit of the similar journey to me but I didn't transfer into the theatre department <laughs> and then what happened well actually that was critical because it was at WAPA mm. um, I should say it a little slowly it actually it's an acronym for West Australian Academy of Performing Arts WAPA Mm. Um, some of you know it takes two hands to handle a whopper. It depends on what part of the world you're in. But um, the the program was very diverse and we got exposure to a lot of things. Actually, one of my favourite um, units, one of the favourite um, uh, courses was something called Big Choir. And that was where all the departments, it didn't matter if you were performing arts, if you were a singer, a dancer, a musician, even the, um, the behind the scenes people, you know, even the designers and um, the, the tech people, we were all in this big auditorium and we did big choir and we sang amazing things together. And that was pretty uh, liberating as well. But um, probably more critical than that was I was introduced to the Feldenkrais Method. And my teacher actually, yeah, she was, she had recently come back from New York and um, she'd worked with also some incredible Feldenkrais teachers, but um, she was a performer and she worked with David Bowie and a couple of other well-known people. So we were, at the time I was in the dance department, we were like young dancers dancing, physically active six hours a day sometimes and maybe doing performance at night. So we really understood hard work. We understood strength and we um, only, we would have something like uh, during the course of the day, we'd have like, um dance history which was really book you know you would have yes. to listen yeah, to lectures and <laughs> um, most of us would actually fall asleep yes partly because we were exhausted <laughs> but partly yeah so that if we weren't moving around in a dynamic way we were just kind of like zoning out so we had this curious class once a week called um Feldenkrais and um awareness through movement we would lie on the bare floor no mats and um, teacher would turn down the lights a little bit and start to speak in these soft tones and ask us to move very gently and with very little effort. And at first we would all kind of giggle and go, this is kind of weird. Half of us would fall asleep. Some of us were in a dream state. But generally we would stand up and go to do whatever it was, the arabesque or the mm. uh, developé or maybe jeté, something like that. And it would have improved, which was bizarre because we just spent all day working really hard, practicing, trying to develop that 
physical um, ability and there it was like magic. So um, Feldenkrais, that's where I was first um, had experience of it as well as Pilates actually. So we had um, really progressive physical therapists on campus and they had, uh, this is many years ago, that's why I say they were progressive at the time because it's um, it's almost 30 years now that I was at uh, the West Australian, West Australian Academy and um, so they had physical therapy and Pilates, clinical Pilates, and that's where I was introduced to that. Wow. So those first Feldenkrais lessons, did you take to it straight away or did it grow on you or did you, um, how was that? Because I know with a lot of dancers, myself included, those first initial classes are like you're explaining, what is this? It's too slow. I want to get up and jump around the room. Why am I lying here? Absolutely. Yeah, it was like having, um, you know, someone offers you, they say, oh, look, would you like this delicious drink? And they basically give you a glass of water with just like one droplet of flavouring in it. And you're like, I don't get it. Why can't I just have a glass full of flavouring? You know, that was the movement we were all craving. And so it did take some time. And thankfully, you know, it was three years of once a week. And it did strike me as pretty magical at some moment when I was awake enough <laughs> to recognize what I was doing and to actually follow those um, encouraging um, uh, uh, descriptions that to, to kind of let go. And it was this wiping of the slate clean that we needed as young dancers. And I think even as an older adult, which of course I am now, that's what we're craving for because, as you know, like by the end of the day, um, the accumulated tension is stuck in your body. Yeah. At the end of a stressful week, if you've got family or work problems or just, you know, watching the news makes you yeah. stressful and you take it on physically, we are all searching for this way of bringing self into a tabula rasa like a reset and there's there's a lot out there that suggests yeah you know you can do meditation you can have a massage you could go and do a float tank but the big dis- difference with Feldenkrais is it's not just about relaxing and sort of um, turning into a puddle it's how to take that newly restored and relaxed state of being back into your day into the the challenges into the movements into the you know the daily slog of having a sit down as humans we were not ever we weren't evolved to sit down yeah absolutely I love that I love that explanation about a drop of flavor in the water that is brilliant (laughs) haven't heard you say that yeah (laughs) no and it just occurred to me because sometimes we talk about in Feldenkrais, um, uh, reducing the noise. And, and the noise obviously is not sound. The noise is the, the input or the dissonance or the tension, let's say, in your body. And when you can reduce that tension, what is underlying and what becomes, um, what is the, the efficient movement that you're capable of, you can actually hear it. So if you're in a noisy room and someone plays, like a, one of my students, her daughter, just graduated with a master's degree in um, piano performance. So if I was watching on my phone, you know, her um, playing Mozart on the piano and I've got the television on 
And then I've also got another computer or my the radio, whatever radio is. I, I can't hear and I can't appreciate. And what we tend to do in a modern world is we just turn up the volume on the Mozart. But actually, you don't need to. You just need to turn down the volume on everything else. Absolutely. And that, of course, flavour is the same thing. Mm, brilliant. Love it. Love it. So, um, so clinical Pilates, that would have been very progressive back then because at, in my dance degree over 20 years ago now, 25, somewhere there. Yes, we we're like, well, some, yeah, somewhere around there. Um, we didn't do Pilates and we didn't do Feldenkrais. And so I wish what I had, but maybe I wouldn't have connected to it as much as I did when I discovered it after my training. So, so then after you've completed your theatre degree, was it straight away that you decided to pursue Feldenkrais or how did that come about? Well, I went out into the industry, the entertainment industry, did a little bit of, um, you know, TV work. And then mainly my focus was on theatre um, I did a couple of national tours and I remember as a young, you know, fresh-faced young thing, just thinking that theatre was a powerful tool for really changing the way an audience member thought about their life. And the longer I was in the actual real world of the theatre industry, I realised there were very few productions Um you know theatre productions or now we get a lot of offerings you know there's tv series and great movies but you know I wasn't getting access I wasn't being cast in them so I, I felt rather empty that I wasn't contributing I, to, to society and I and I remembered Feldenkrais and it just so happened that there was a Feldenkrais training um happening starting up so I thought I'd give it a try and I and I yeah, did the four years training and it was actually both physically very liberating mm -hmm. and um, mentally because obviously, you know, we use our bodies in very habitual, very um, repetitive ways because it's easy. You know, you always bend down to pick up something from the floor the way you've always done it. And I suppose when you do something as interesting as Feldenkrais, which is as much changing the way you think think about your body firstly but then the way you contemplate how you deal with difficulties when things don't go as easily as um as expected as you want them to do i suppose and what do you do when you're faced with struggle so that was also a really um timely i suppose yeah happening when i wasn't so sure that theater and performance was going to be my life Mm, mm, fascinating yeah it can truly change your life doing a professional training program it's not for the light-hearted that's for sure we don't go in there just for on a whim because it's not a weekend mm, mm. not a weekend workshop and a you know no. eight-week program no it's it is four years and massive changes in that time mm, mm. um so that was yeah the per was that the first training in Perth that they ran what year was that and that was that 80s? Mm, we graduated in 99, so it wasn't the no. first. No, oh, okay. we were the second. Yeah, <laughs> we had some um, we had some graduates that were uh, organising the the training in WA, Western Fantastic. Australia. Yeah, Fantastic. And my and home I know, state. 
I've got a friend here in Adelaide that did that training with you. So yes, she was my colleague, Ollie. Shout out to Ollie if you're listening. <laughs> so, another performer too. Yes. Yes, another performer, and she's um, gone on to do wonderful things. Maybe I'll try and get her on the podcast as well. Um, so from your training, um, so you did Feldenkrais before Pilates uh, training, or how did that? How did that? Yeah, um, Pilates was always available um, as a, a class. You know, you could go to the gym, you could do Pilates. And uh, for a long time, the two philosophies, well, one is really a me- method and the other is a technique, I suppose. Yes. Um, they really seemed at loggerheads. They seemed to be saying the opposite thing from one another. That's what and I, I suppose. Yes. Yeah. That's yeah. How I it, so. And I suppose I... I was trying to work out, well, why would they be so opposed if they're all about, both of them are about creating easier movement or strength or, you know, just to live a better life in movement. And um, I think that's where my Feldenkrais Fusion program, which I'm calling Honest Exercise is really what I'm calling my business, but I've created a a hybrid and I'm not sure if hybrid's even the word because I've got a lot of um, my students are Feldenkrais practitioners. So I think of it as the bridge between maybe Pilates and Feldenkrais. So you'll see a lot of the patterns, a lot of the, um, dare I say, choreographies, the way we move, the, the sequences of movements that you see in a Feldenkrais lesson. And then I'll gradually intensify the effort and then it appears to be more like a Pilates workout so it's a lot of resistance work resistance work we think of as strength work and here I'm using um, the floor a wall your own body as resistance so I also wanted to make sure that you didn't need any specialized equipment because I'm sure many of your listeners know about the um, Pilates apparatus the reformer you know the springs and the Cadillac so I didn't want anyone to be left out like well I don't have that so I can't do your workout Mm. Mm. Would you say it's a, like a fusion of the two or is that? It's not really. It's like if a Feldenkrais class and a Pilates class had a baby, whatever the heck that <laughs> means. It really is a blend. I, I'm, I've had experienced some people who have the same um, credentials and they tend to do one uh, and then the other and maybe juxtapose it. And you can talk to some of my students and some of the testimonials say exactly that is um, there is this underpinning of staying very physically aware that proprioception is necessary, whether you're doing a light and easy action or a strenuous, large and effortful. Mm. So that the, the action is it requires effort. I'm not saying you strain as you do it because that essentially is how I differ is in Pilates, for example, they will often ask you to breathe in during one movement and out in another. So sometimes rounding or folding is an exhale and arching is an inhale. And I've taken that Feldenkrais idea and that there is no um, dictated, uh, prescribed way when to breathe in, when to breathe out. Mm. And interestingly, every Pilates teacher who teaches and demonstrates 
is actually fulfilling this because if they're speaking while they're moving, they can't breathe out as they round and sit up and breathe in when they arch because they're speaking. So already we see a, a kind of um, conflict of how you talk about in your principles, but how you actually um, uh, perform or do the thing, enact the thing is a bit different. Mm. So do you have, maybe it needs a new name rather than Feldenkrais and Pilates, because I do know I've heard your frustration with Feldenkrais practitioners that try your classes and say it's too fast or there's, you have Mm -hmm. to work too hard. And what they're not understanding, it it is not a Feldenkrais class. So maybe we should even drop the word from your... I think so. Maybe I should have a competition. So you've got to come to a couple of my classes and then you get to help me name it. And then whoever um, comes up with the best name, they get a prize. I don't know. There's a great membership. There's an interesting challenge. Yeah. See that. I love it. So um, what are you currently working on with this beautiful practice of yours? Well, um, thanks to you. Um, I've really evolved and changed during the last two, and now we have to say a bit, years. Um, The pandemic obviously made it very difficult for those of us who work one-to-one. That was most of my time was spent working hands-on doing functional integration with my clients. And that, of course, went away because it wasn't safe to do so. So I'm currently... um, about to launch um, my 20-minute, can I just call it Fold and Cross Fusion for the moment, 20-minute subscription. So for this last two years or more, every morning at 9 a.m., Monday to Friday, I teach a 20-minute class. Mm -hmm. And now I have this library of videos. And that that now means that I can teach it hybrid, which means you can sign up And you'll get access to the Zoom link and that means you can turn up and I'll watch you and I'll give you feedback and you'll get to chat after the class with all the other really um, fun and intelligent. i got to tell you some of the conversations we have after class are really um, very varied. And then you'll actually get the recording. So the subscription service will be you'll get access to uh, one workout a day. So if 9 o'clock doesn't work for you, 9 a.m. New York time, you just uh, play the recording and I really recommend to people that you create a habit and you create structure and you you set aside that time mm. in your schedule and that's what I did uh, to start out with. I just chose 9am because ordinarily I would have been maybe out the door going to either my office or doing home visits in New York City and, and uh, when the pandemic hit, there was this great sense of feeling lost and Mm. kind of unmotivated and obviously uncertainty and a fair amount of fear. So I just put it in my calendar. I went, okay, I'm going to teach every morning at nine and Mm. hopefully people will turn up. And it was actually a great discipline. Uh, It helped me stay focused and calm and it helped me create a huge body of work, which I'm proud of actually. As I look back at all these files on my computer, I'm like, I've done a lot. So I really want to share it with people. And and I'm really happy to get feedback because it will appeal to some people because they're just 
they've done with the gym, the repetitive nature of a workout, doing the same routine every time you go to the gym or you go to the yoga studio or your Pilates class. And I think we need that challenge to keep thinking, to keep um, present, to keep engaged. And there's a certain, um, it, it refreshes you, I think, because um, we become creatures of habit and, and that's a, a comfort zone in the use of the word that's not good, you know, um, falling into that that groove in the couch and eating comfort food is really, we need to maybe change the way we describe that. Yeah. It's the withdrawal food. It's the, <laughs> um, yeah, <laughs> pulling away from the outside world. And, it can be hard uh, to, it's so, it is hard to change your habits. And I think um, for many people, when they need to decide that they're going to change before they actually make the change. Um, and you can hear a thousand times, you must drink eight glasses of water a day. But until you're like, I'm sick of waking up every morning with a headache because I'm dehydrated. Will you actually go and have your water or like with the fitness, you know, I'm sick of not being able to sit comfortably for the full day or um, move around the whole day without having to flop down on the couch exhausted because my body's been so tight and tense. I think, mm -hmm. yeah. And Can I just mention one of my students today said to me um, uh, that she uh, has feel she's feeling so transformed from doing these classes and she got out of the car and she was heading some place where most people knew her and she was walking so upright and so tall that she giggled to herself and she thought my friends are going to think I'm wearing a new bra <laughs> love it because she was just walking and moving so differently her posture it was just like so, um, you know, yeah that, that that just tickled me I just love those moments because sometimes they don't happen in a class or after a class. They happen just in your everyday life. And you're like, oh, that's different. <laughs> My own yeah. teacher um, talks about how for, he didn't see his family for many years and he showed up to the airport and they didn't actually recognize him because his posture had completely changed because we do recognize people from the shape of how they hold their posture yeah. and their shoulders. So he was like, yes, <laughs> I've made it. <laughs> and so, that's very closely connected to body language too, which yeah. has a lot of, of um, direct correlation to our way we think of ourselves and the way we, um, um, our attitude to who we think we are. Mm, absolutely. Absolutely. Now we're getting into another big topic of self-image. Yeah. <laughs> that could probably be another podcast. <laughs> Put that one down on the list. With a, with a few hours to spare to dive into that topic for real. But, yeah, just on, on that, um, Feldenkrais did believe wholly in movement can change your self-image and how you believe, what you believe about yourself and therefore your mindset and your thinking. And so many of us are caught up in our thinking processes and not in our body. So it's so important what you are putting out in the world, Sonia, what everyone that's involved in the Movement Online Academy <laughs> is doing with movement and somatic movement in particular, because as Sonia's highlighted on this podcast, it really is 
a chance to unwind and let go of that tension and turn down those noise patterns in our body so that we can be more have more freedom resiliency openness to um not just our body but our thinking so yeah and I just need to also say that it came as a bit of a surprise to me um often I'm asked you know who do you work with you know what kind of person would sign up to work with you or take one of your classes and when I sort of went mentally through the checklist of you know who actually comes to my classes and who my private clients are I realized that maybe half of them are psychiatrists psychologists social workers so they're people who are really working with the emotional and mental state Mm. and they often say that the the physical embodiment of that is missing in their work and potentially in themselves is that they know how to talk about and um, unpack and uh, you know the the trauma or the pain or the frustration but it needs to actually, as Moshe really um, eloquently wrote about, you, you need to change the vessel. You need to change yourself so that your body language in um, it supports this new way of thinking and being and um, yeah, behaving in the world because behavioural change in terms of the way we you know, think and speak has to have a, a, a foundation somewhere and it's in your body. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Oh gosh, I could go into a whole nother tangent here, but I won't. (laughs) So as I mentioned, uh, the Movement Online Academy, you can come in and find out more about what Sonia does. You can check out her profile there or find her on social media. I'll get you to share where to find you in a moment. But inside the Academy, you can actually tag Sonia by writing at and then start typing her name if you have any questions for her check out her profile. All her links will be there. I'll also link them in the show notes below. But Sonia, would you like to share where people can discover more about this amazing practice that you've uh, been working on? Yes. Well, you can find me at honestexercise.me. So that's my website, honestexercise.me. You can find me on Facebook at honestexercise.me. I'm going to start to sound repetitive soon. I'm also on Instagram at honestexercise.me or Feldenkrais Method if you happen to know how to spell that. Um, The website, you'll have option of um, signing up for free weekly videos. The first one's rather good. It's um, shoulder and neck freedom. I also have an online shop and that means you can have access to some free content and some courses as well as that's where you'll find the subscription that I was speaking about that will start um, maybe very soon. It might be out by the time this podcast has aired. So <laughs> check it out. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so excited for where you're moving. I've actually done the classes a couple of times and they are amazing. If only it was 9am Adelaide time. <laughs> But there is the replay, so maybe I'll be signing up (laughs) for the replay. Yeah, and a lot of my students come live and then they love the fact that they've got the recordings because some of the sequences, and I have to say, they're not just a string of exercises. It's more like a crafted short story, unlike a novel, it's not a 60-minute, it's 20-minute, and it's a theme this week. For example, our theme is hip joints. Last week it was the neck. 
So obviously the whole body we address, I'm working with all of all parts of you, but there's a, a focus so that you could possibly, um, you know, find those series and go, yeah, I do have a problem with my neck or my lower back, shoulders, or, or and that could really help solve some long-standing issues that you've had. Amazing, amazing, yeah. So would you like to share anything else before we wrap this up today? Gosh, I've just been struggling with um, this idea. I read it on a shopping bag. Someone had a rather nice uh, tote bag. And um, I'm obviously going to misquote it because just as I get rather carried away, um, it's something to the effect of don't mistake motion for action and um, I wish I had it at my fingertips so uh, I believe Ernest Hemingway said something to the effect of and I'll, again one of my superpowers is misquoting so I should just make sure I have that actual quote in front of me but the reason I brought it up is I was challenged by it because it reminded me a little bit of how Moshe Feldenkrais was interested in Oh, here we go. Never mistake motion for action. That can be attributed, I believe, to Ernest Hemingway. Mm. So the idea that not all movements lead to outcome. Mm. Okay, I'll say it differently. In our work, the Feldenkrais method, we do meaningful movement, movement that has function, that has purpose, that has outcome, not simply to burn calories not simply to fill an hour. Um, so that to me is a real challenge because as we get older, we are not in the same shape in our joints, um, muscles, often our spine or some other area somewhat compromised structurally. So how do you make sure that you're not just mistaking motion, oh, I keep moving, oh, that's all great, but you're wearing yourself out. So I'm really interested in helping people live long and happy, pain-free lives. And that requires teaching them sustainable practices that, that will actually nurture what they have and negate the effects of gravity and, of course, time, because hopefully you'll be around for a long time and you'll have, you'll have these problems about how am I going to move when I'm in my 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s and 90s, and some are even having to ask that question in their deck in their hundreds yeah and as we you know we are prolonging our life more and more with um medical interventions and healthier lifestyles movement should absolutely be a part of that so mm -hmm. fabulous uh chatting with you today sonia thank you <laughs> good to talk to you always good to talk to you all right. Thanks, everybody. Hopefully we see you inside the Movement Online Academy and have a fantastic day, evening, afternoon, whatever time this is you're listening. Bye for now. Bye.